Um, I think, I don't know if we have any first time visitors. Everyone should know. Hi, my name is Kent. Um, I want to start off tonight by telling a story about myself when I was a student, when I was in your guys' shoes. Um, before I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life, I had built my identity around things that I was really good at. So for me, it was um, sports, academics. I did this so that I would appear better than uh, those others around me. Uh, we would call this a sin of uh, pride and arrogance, uh, thinking higher of myself than I ought to, thinking higher of myself so that I could view others in a lower state. By themselves, sports and grades aren't bad things, but I had made them my identity instead of making Jesus as my primary identity. Because of this, those things we would say are idols of my heart when I was a student at that time. It was soon after I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a sophomore in high school, going into my sophomore year, that I read a book from FCA. If you don't know what FCA stands for, it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's a Christian club in the school systems. Uh, it was a book about service. And in this book, there was a quote that I've not forgotten in the past 11 years, and it has transformed how I think about talents and abilities. And it was this. This quote is, strength is for service, not for status. Strength is for service, not for status. This means that things that we are good at should be used to serve others instead of using our strengths to elevate our status or to make us more popular in the eyes of others. And when I read this quote, and as I remind myself of this quote often, it brings me to who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Jesus, being part of the Trinity, God the Son, was dwelling with God the Father in heaven, the greatest status of all. And he chose to use his strength and his status as God to serve humanity. As he came to earth, he died for the sins of the world on a cross, the greatest sacrifice that anyone has ever done in history. Jesus set the example that strength is for service, not for status. So this is a quote that I'm reminded of often, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's parenting a newborn now since I've been a dad for two weeks. Yes, yes. Whether it's here, working here at Crosspoint, serving you guys, students and leaders, I remind myself often that strength is for service, not for status. This concept is something that the Corinthians were struggling with when Paul wrote this letter to the church. The Corinthians were trying to find things that made them better than others. They were trying to separate themselves from other people. They were trying to feel, make themselves feel good and put others down at that expense. They were concerned about their status rather than serving others. And we see this yet again in chapter 14. So if you have your scripture notebooks with you, please turn to chapter 14. If you don't have them, I will have the uh, words on the screen. We're only going to be saying the first half of chapter 14. So if I could have your attention and we can roll through this quickly, that would be great. We'll go over the second half next week um, on on a parent night. Before we read this passage, I wanted to find two words that we see often in this passage. We see two words. We see the word tongues, and we see the word prophecy, or prophesy. Now, I just wanted to find those. A tongue is a language that a person is able to speak without prior knowledge. It's a supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit that gives someone 
uh, the believer uh, an ability at that moment in time to speak a language that they had not previously known. It'd be as if I was around a, a group of people that spoke French, not never knowing French, and I started speaking to them, and they understood what I was saying because I was appearing to be speaking French, even though I've never spoke French in my life. That's the gift of tongues. It's the ability to speak another language without having prior knowledge. The second word I want to define, and these are important, so if you haven't written these down, I would write down these definitions because this will be crucial for you to understand chapter 14, is prophesy. Prophesy, by definition, is the ability to proclaim God's message. The ability to proclaim God's message. And this is either to, re to relay a message from God, uh, when we see that directly, so Old Testament prophets, and then we see New Testament apostles relaying direct messages from God that have not been spoken before, and they wrote it down, and they revealed it to groups of people. Or to prophesy is to communicate God's word that he has already spoken into existence. Okay, so it's either prophesying is uh, relaying a direct message that you receive from God. We see that in the Old Testament, and we see that in the New Testament apostles, or it's relaying God's word that has already been spoken. We see it a lot today. So when we teach on the Bible, technically speaking, teachers are prophesying, they're speaking God's message that has already been told. Okay? And I know sometimes when we think prophesy is all only future telling, but it also can be sharing what God has already said and done in his word, the Bible. So with that in mind, let's start reading our passage. Remember to underline or circle things that stand out to you or things that you want to ask a question about in your small group. So let's start reading. 1 Corinthians 14, verses, starting at verse 1. Verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies, prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and, con and let me get this word right, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more than that, that you prophesy. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Okay, let's just pause there for a moment. I want you to underline a verse. If you haven't already, I want you to underline verse 4. 
verse 4 of chapter 14. If you have not underlined it already, underline verse 4. Verse 4 is the main section of the passage that we just read. And what Paul is saying here uh, is he's trying to get his point across is that the person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Basically what's going on is the Corinthians were desiring to speak in different tongues or languages because they thought it was going to bring them more outward recognition. It was going to give them a higher status in the church. And they were worried about only what could benefit themselves, of how they appeared to others. Paul says, though, that prophesying or speaking God's word to another should be more desired because it doesn't just benefit the individual, it benefits the entire church. Think about it. If someone needs encouragement, it would be better to speak God's truth to them than to show them that you can speak a different language, right? Like having the ability to be, might, might be a cool experience, but you're kind of showing off at that point in time, and it doesn't help anyone going through a difficult time or someone who really needs to be reminded about God's love. And when people are focused on reminding and encouraging people about God's love and the truth, it unifies people. People are unified by God's word and God's truth because they're focused on him instead of themselves. So this is kind of what verse, the, the first 12 verses of chapter 14 relate and what they mean. Paul's not saying, you know, don't just dismiss tongues, but he's saying you should not pursue them as a primary spiritual gift. You should pursue prophesying or speaking God's word to others. So the question I have is, how does this section relate to you and to I in 2023? I would ask you this question. Do you speak God's word to other believers? Do you speak God's word to other believers? I'd write that down if you haven't already. You know, if you see someone who you know is a believer, you know, do you encourage them with biblical truth from God's word? Do you even know what the Bible says so that you can encourage someone else who is struggling. Because let me paint this scenario for you. You're a student. Let's say there's another student who you know is a believer, and they share with you that they're having a rough day. Let's say that they failed a test or didn't do so great on a test. Maybe they, they were studying for hours and hours the night before, and they were hoping to get an A or a B, and they ended up getting like a D or an F. Okay, someone shares that with you. And then they also add that, hey, you know what? You know, they also just got made fun of at the lunch table for it as well. And right now, their day is going pretty bad. What do you say to them in that moment? What Bible passage do you relate to them in that moment to give them comfort? Now, do you know what to share to encourage them with biblical truth? You know, if someone shared that with me, and I would want to share that with them that, hey, no matter what someone else thinks of you, that in Romans we are told that God views us as his children and that he will never put us to shame. We will never be made fun of by God. Or I might share with them in 1 Peter that it talks about how God cares for them and wants them to talk to him about their worries and their cares in their life, and that they're not alone in their struggle, that there's a creator that loves them and cares for them and wants to talk to them about what they're struggling with. That's what I would say. And I hope that we take this seriously, 
of desiring to know biblical truth so that we can care for our classmates who are brothers and sisters in Christ. We can care for them well. Paul continues his argument in the rest of the chapter uh, that we're going to go over, 14, that not only should believers desire the gift of prophecy for the sake of building up other believers, but also they should desire the gift of prophecy for the sake of a witnessing to unbelievers. So let's keep reading verses 13 through 25. Verse 13 says, Therefore, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if, a tongue, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen in your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in tongues then is intended as a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for believers, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. But if therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if you are all prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart will be revealed. And as a result, he will fall face down, worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Okay. I want you to underline, if you haven't already, the last two verses that we just read, verses 24 and 25. Verses 24 and 25. But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in and he's convicted by all and it is called to an account by all, the secrets of his heart will be revealed. And as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Now, what, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that if an unbeliever comes into a church gathering or gathering of believers, and people are focused on speaking in other languages or in speaking in tongues, then the unbeliever will think that that, pe- that, that that church, the people in that church are crazy. He's like, you are out of your mind. I have no idea what you're trying to say. Paul says that it would be better if the people in the church would rather be focused on encouraging other believers with God's word, because then uh, when an unbeliever comes in, the unbeliever sees God at work, people encouraging one another in love. We talked about love last week in our small group Bible study. They see the church being the church and loving one another, encouraging one another in God's Word. And and so when that happens, uh, that and this goes to show that when this happens, knowing biblical truth is not only to encourage believers, but it's also to be a witness to unbelievers. It's also meant to be witness to unbelievers. So here's this last question for you before we close. Do you witness to unbelievers with God's word? Do you witness to unbelievers with God's word? You know, if you would see someone who's interested in learning more about who God is, do you know how to share the gospel with them? Do you know what Bible passages to point them to? Do you know the basics of the gospel, of why we 
praise and worship God on Sunday mornings, why we gather here to learn more about the Bible on Sunday nights. Do you know the gospel, the truths that God created humanity to be in a relationship with him, but humanity have, has chosen sin and rejected a right relationship with God? Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of meeting God's standards for being in a right relationship with him. And the truth is that as a result of our sin, we experience eternal death and separation from God forever. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. But then the next truth, the beautiful truth, is God didn't leave us in our sinful state. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for our sins and that he paid our penalty so that we could have eternal life and live with God for eternity after our earthly life is over. If an unbelieving classmate of yours is curious about Jesus and who Jesus is, are you able to share those biblical truths with them? Are you able to relate the gospel to someone who is curious about God and who Jesus is? Now, here's the reality. You know, when I was a student, I failed at this a lot. I failed to take advantage of all the opportunities to share biblical truth with unbelievers and believers that I had as classmates. Sure, there were some moments where I saw an opportunity and I tried to speak biblical truth as best as I could, but I know that there was lots and lots of opportunities that I missed. Why? A big reason, I was focused on myself. Another reason is I didn't read my Bible every day. I didn't know how to relate biblical truths to people. And to be honest, the Bible was kind of hard for me to understand. And so if you find yourself here tonight in a similar place that I was when I was a student, I encourage you, please talk to your small group leader and small groups tonight about what this looks like, how to do this in a more practical way. I Engage in your small group leader. They, they uh, ask them questions. Ask them how to read and study your Bible. You know, I wish I had someone when I was your age that taught me how to study the Bible. I actually had to teach myself how to study the Bible because no one else really taught me how to do that. And I want you to take advantage of the opportunity that you have. You have great small group leaders. I don't know if you know this or not. Your small group leaders are pretty great. They, they are. Um, and, and they love Jesus. And they also love you. And so I hope that from tonight you see um, the importance of knowing what the Bible says in order to know who God is and how you can relate those truths with others. And so please engage in those conversations tonight as we go into small groups. Because I want you to catch this vision, this passion, this desire to share biblical truth with people you come into contact with, whether it's your classmates who sit next to you in class, walk down the hallway with you on the same sports teams as you, Maybe it's coworkers if you have a job. It could even be your siblings at home. You know, have you been able to relate biblical truth to your own siblings? Have you witnessed to your brothers and sisters, your biological brothers and sisters who do not yet know Jesus? And I would even say this. Have you relayed biblical truth to even your parents? Parents are sinners just as much as you are, just as much as I am. It is a blessing to have a child to know the Bible so much that they can remind even parents of certain biblical truths. So God has given you what is necessary to know him in the Bible, and he's given you the power to share it with others via the Holy Spirit if you are a believer. So I want you to use what God has given you to serve him 
and to serve others rather than being worried about your own personal status. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for 1 Corinthians 14 and just learning about that God, the strength is meant for service, not for status, that the gifts that you have given us, the truth that you have given us is meant to serve others. God, I pray that we would all desire to know and understand your word, your truth in a deeper way so that we can share it with others and know you more. God, I pray that we would uh, just go into small groups, uh, being vulnerable, that we would have great conversations. We'd be willing to ask questions to our small group leaders. God, I just pray that above all, you would be glorified in all that we say and do. We love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.